Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Barrett Salee here covering college football with CBS Sports. Uh, How about, would you rather have a Michigan question later or first? When do you want to get that out of the way? (laughs) Let's go ahead and do it now. Let's go ahead and do it now. All right. So Michigan, they were putting up a stink. We didn't do anything wrong, and you're suspended for three games. Ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna file all these things I need to file. And then yesterday, they're like, yeah, whatever. We'll just take the two game suspension. What, what happened? Well, I, I think that billable hours are undefeated, and they start looking at those bills, and they're like, you know what? We were gonna probably accept the suspensions anyway. So why are we gonna pay all these lawyers all this money? So uh, we'll just go ahead. That's I mean, you know what? That's the way things are. Lawyers always win. And I think that's what's going to that they, they understood that this wasn't going to change. So why fight it? I feel like the whole suspension and the whole punishment, I feel like is because the Big Ten, they're trying to find a middle ground. They, they're trying to not overreact maybe to something. They're also trying to placate the rest of the members and I feel like the three-game suspension at the end of the season where there's a decent possibility commissioners on that podium then after the Big Ten championship game handing a trophy to Harbaugh, awkward. I, th- I just think that he was trying to find the right solution and he found maybe the worst one. We'll see how it plays out. I just don't know like if there was enough that something should have been done. And, I, and again, now that there's a punishment – it does seem more, yeah, you won't have Harbaugh on the sideline against Ohio State. But it just seems like it seems like they just want this to end and move on when when maybe they could have tried to get it done the right way later. Well, there was, there, it was a no-win situation for the Big Ten, right? Because they had 13 coaches saying, you got to do something, and you got to do something now. And then they also had Michigan saying, well, if, if you go too far, we're going to sue you. And we're going to tie this whole thing up in court, and Jim Harbaugh will still be on the sidelines throughout the course of the end of the regular season. So it was a no-win situation for the Big Ten. Uh, I think they handled it actually pretty well because, I mean, what else are you going to do, right? Um, But, you know, it's funny because if you ask any coach, hey, would you rather be suspended for the game on Saturday or the six other days of the week? they would say I'd rather be suspended for Saturday because they'd much rather have, say, in the game plan, the, 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 the implementation of the game plan, all that stuff. It, is the head coach important on game day? Yeah, of course. But if you know you have people that can 
make the decisions on when to go forward, when to punt, um, when to call timeouts, things like that, then the damage is going to be minimal. And during Harbaugh's suspension for the, at the beginning of the season, everybody got to be the head coach. So he's got plenty of people that he trusts. Yeah, and I think where it's bothering me is the Big Ten seems to be like rallied again. Like Michigan, what you did, bad, bad, bad. You deserve penalties. I, how, who's to say now? Because I feel like when, when the rest of the Big Ten watches Ohio State and Michigan, they'll be cheering for Ohio State. And I'm suspecting that Ryan Day and the Ohio State coaching staff is going to get a lot of unsolicited pointers on how to beat <laughs> yeah. Michigan. How is that not like, how is that any different than what Michigan did? Well, but that's, that's true of, of all teams at all times. Now, the unsolicited part is not normal, right? Like, you're not going to typically, if you're a head coach, you're not going to have, like, Indiana come out and say, hey, you know what, Ryan? Let me tell you about all these things. <laughs> Generally, you're going to go ask those questions um, to, to people you know, but that's not unusual. That's just kind of the way it goes. You know, these, these coaches, they're friends. They've had, you know, different, you know, employment opportunities under each other. Um, so you're going to get that information. I remember one time I was out in California for the Auburn-Florida State National Championship game and Damian Craig was on Auburn's staff, and he had been with Jimbo Fisher for 12 years. And I asked Jimbo Fisher, hey, are you concerned that Damian Craig knows your signs? And Jimbo's like, well, it didn't work for Miami earlier this year because he had a Miami staffer that was on his staff the previous year. And sure enough, first, uh, first half of the national championship, Damian Craig, flat-billed hat pulled right over his eyes, telling Gus every single sign because Jimbo didn't change him. So it's up to the, it's up to the coach to – prevent those things from happening. And they happen all the time. Talking college football with Barrett Salee here, college football at CBS Sports. I'm Bart Winkler and for Bill Ryder, Michigan, Ohio State, right now both in the top four of the college football playoff rankings. They did show proof of life this week by putting Georgia first instead. So, hey, we're doing something. I'm trying to, when I look at these rankings, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is just the way that I look at it. I look at it as... Like, they could rank anything, but I look at it as protection or sort of a, a rationale for the final ranking. I think these are all just, hey, you look back, and I know they say they do it week to week, but where I'm going with this is Florida State. Like, I think a lot of people that watch college football feel like Washington is better than Florida State, maybe better than, like, for what they've done and their resume, they should at least be ahead of Florida State. I just feel like with Florida State... I don't know that you could do this with Washington if they go undefeated, but with how light Florida State's schedule's been, I don't know. One of these teams is going to lose this Ohio State-Michigan game, and we're going to argue, even with one loss, could they be ahead of Florida State? And I think the committee keeps putting them at four just to say, they're in. We're not We're not letting this team undefeated not be in. That is my biggest takeaway about anything, is that they're just basically, they've been telling us from the start, Florida State is in. I eventually think an undefeated Washington would pass one of the one-loss teams. I, I, I feel dumb to even question it, but you never know. I just feel like a lot of this, if they're telling us anything, it's that Florida State's in if they're undefeated. That's really all I've learned. Well, and I think, you, I think you're right to an extent, but I think it's a little bit more nuanced in the sense that I, I think the committee looks at Washington and sees, like, let's look, let's look at it like a pendulum, right? 
Washington's offense is like completely on one side, but their defense is horrendous. Is on completely the other side, and Florida State's pendulum doesn't swing that 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 much one way or the other. Um, then you know that's not to say it can't in any given day. I mean Jordan Travis and those two receivers, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, can make life life difficult for anybody. Um, but I think what's interesting is that okay, if it was Oregon that was undefeated, Oregon would be four. Uh, uh, Oregon would be four. Florida State would be five. Because I think the committee would view, and I think rightfully so, Oregon as a more complete team than Washington. And I know they've played head-to-head. And look, I, I have Oregon behind Washington on my CBS 133 ballot. Um, the head-to-head matters. Uh, do I think Oregon is a better team? Yeah. I think they played that game ten times. Oregon wins seven or eight. So, um, you know, it's, I, I think folks get so angry about these midseason, late-season college football playoff rankings uh, and that's great. You know, we can sit here and argue all day long. That's what makes this sport, you know, awesome. It's a feature. It's not a bug. Uh, but setting themselves up for the final ranking, I, I don't necessarily know about that because I think at the in the end, eye tests will matter more because you will have not more than like, not comparing it to something, but more than it does right now because you will have the full picture painted in front of you. Well, and then where I would contradict my own rationale there is... Um, <laughs> the committee members do, too. It's great. Yeah, because, you know, you look a little further, and really, it's like there's eight teams, I think, that are alive in this thing. Uh, the top four, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Bama, really, I think, have the shot. And Texas is ahead of Alabama. They beat Alabama at Alabama. But if Texas wins out, you know where I'm going, Alabama beats <laughs> Georgia... How is Alabama not in the, how are they not in? And, and yeah, Texas beat Bama and I would be irate and head to head should matter. But again, this has never been the big thing that I always stress is this is a playoff. Sure. But until next year, there's never been real qualifications. It's just more of an invitational. These are the four best teams that are playing the best, the most deserving. It's going to be very hard to keep. And Alabama, I think has been playing pretty well. So Texas, one lost Texas, one lost Bama, committee on that Tuesday. Who's ahead of who? It'd still be Texas, and I think part of it would be that the committee looks at injuries, factors in injuries, and they would say to themselves, and I think in that room, the way the discussions go is, is they would see Texas as a team that would have one loss, and between that loss and the end of the season, They've lost their starting quarterback for a couple games. They lost their star, the, their star running back last week, so for the rest of the season, and they still kept chugging right along. And it, it hasn't been as pretty as it was before, you know, Quinn Ewer's injury or before the loss to Oklahoma. No, it hasn't been pretty, but they still found a way to get it done in that scenario. So that's how you would sort of argue against, and I, I think they would win that argument, over Alabama, hey, Alabama just beat Georgia. So I don't think there's, you know, when you compound the path that Texas has taken with the head-to-head win over Alabama, that Texas would still win that based on how the committee uh, operates. And, um, you know, I think that's what makes this this sport great because there is no structure to it. And to me, um, why would you judge an elite team based on preset parameters because the landscape of the college football season 
a sport that has 133 teams, you know, the definition of elite, the definition of being worthy of a national championship changes every year. And to me, having preset qualifications, having automatic bids would do so much more damage. And we'll let, I guess next year, the automatic bids are sort of a loose definition of automatic bids, but it does way more damage to, to I think, the entire product than, um, than it would be uh, a strength. Talking with Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, college football, uh, covers it for CBS. Um, I think, like, I don't, get, hey, get your money if you can get it. This is a Jimbo Fisher question. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just, obviously, it's the greatest job in the world to be a fired college football coach. Yes, it is. But, man, you know, college, college is expensive. And, you know, there's a lot of people paying student loans. And if I went to a university that fired a coach and still was giving him $78 million, like there, there's something about that that needs – something about that seems criminal. Why, 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 are these, why are these colleges so apt to do this? It's like, okay, you want my money, but clearly money you have you – have, if you can do this for $78 million, man, you, you have a lot more money than, than I thought you did. Well, I think with the Jimbo thing um... – Texas A&M kind of got blinded by first the shiny national championship trophy in Jimbo's office. And then uh, when they re-upped him uh, the the COVID year that I don't, no one should have taken anything from the COVID year one way or the other. Um, And and they just, they want so bad to, to be that national power that they will do anything to do it. And they can't figure out how to do it. Like they can't figure out, the path that they need to take. They've tried everything and, and nothing seems to work. And so throwing an ab- abnormal amount of money with um, no restrictions at a coach who won a national championship with Jameis Winston, who was far more, uh, a far more uh, important reason than, than Jimbo is something they felt like they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's funny because you look at the buyout numbers this year and it's like, all right, 12, 15, 18 of the guys who are might get fired, and then bam, 74. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. But, you know, that's par for the course. You know, athletic departments have this kind of money, and the buyouts are going to go up, but there's not going to be anything like what Jimbo had. Like, that's not going to happen ever again. Uh, one more. College football this year, it's five conferences, the Power Five. We're saying goodbye to the Pac-12. Um, it's a 14 playoff. There's gonna be a lot of changes, bigger playoff, less, less power five conferences is college football. The, the enjoyment of it, the, the level of excitement, the, the just like, cause college football is good. It's been a good year, a competitive year. There's a lot to go. Do you think that next year is more likely to be a more enjoyable year? Will it be more frustrating? Will it be harder to figure out uh, just your, your level of enjoyment or the average fans level of enjoyment does next year open up more possibilities to enjoy it? Or are we going to look fondly back at 2023 and say, that's when we had it the best? Well, 2023 is going to be awesome. Like this is a phenomenal year because you have great teams from across the country um, vying for, for spots. Um, and it's, you're, you're going into the last couple of weekends and there are a lot of different variables, which is great. And then you also have great stories like James Madison. Um, although obviously the, the, uh, waiver didn't get granted, but having James Madison do what they're doing is phenomenal. Same thing with Liberty and Jamie Chadwell. So I think there are stories all over the place. 
um, that are just wildly fascinating to me, including Missouri's run to what will be a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, so for college football nerds like me, I love it. Um, I love the BCS even more than what we had right now because it created even more storylines that uh, were, were fascinating for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but for casual fans that are just sports fans out there, um, yeah, next year is is going to provide much more entertainment. Um, Can't. No, for, sorry, go ahead. You know, for, for, you know, for the playoffs. And, and that's, you know, that's great for the sport, that you're reeling in college football or uh, fans that necessarily watch on a, on a week-to-week basis into the sport. It's awesome. It's going to be healthier for the sport in terms of bottom line. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to like it as much um, because I like a minimal playoff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think for the, for the overall health of the sport, yeah, it's, it's going to be better. Well, can't wait for it. I was so excited to say I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait to say it. Uh, Barrett Salee, thank you for your time. Appreciate you and hope to talk again. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.